Oh, looks like oh, we're recording. We're live. Zoom kicked in, Fern. <laughs> we're not live. <laughs> <clears throat> we are. What a time to be alive. Yeah, so, we are alive, just barely. <laughs> Fern and I were just chatting about with so many people working from home right now, Zoom is getting smashed and it's taking a long time to connect to Zoom's cloud. But here we are live and no better time to talk about the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum than right at this moment. And let's, let's do our best to leave uh, beliefs about this coronavirus out of it. We can talk about it, but you know, this is a great opportunity. You know, we're not here. Everyone's getting inundated, be, you know, with news stories and social media. We want to, we want to keep it positive, but obviously, we, you know, it'll, it'll get brought up. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Fern, what was your first introduction to this continuum? Oh, the level one. I mean, for me, there's, there's a couple of things from the level one that for me were pretty groundbreaking. I don't know if that's the right word or the right way to phrase it, but there were eye opening. That's a good, that's a good phrase for it. Uh, the first one was the, what is fitness lecture? And then the second one is within the, what is fitness lecture is the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum. They, they both, the whole thing just made sense. And it, and it was the first time I had ever, had it illustrated to me so concisely that it was just obvious that, that that's the answer. What, what about it? I mean, you know, both you and I have seen the lecture given hundreds of times. We've both delivered it, you know, at least tens or dozens of times each. What to you stands out about that? You know, and, and let's, let's maybe give a little bit of a background. The Sickness Wellness Fitness Continuum was created by Coach Glassman. It's part of the What is Fitness lecture at the Level 1s. And, you know, what he was basically saying is, hey, you can plot any biomarker. You can even plot workouts on this continuum. And as you move all these markers towards fitness, be it your blood pressure, your resting heart rate, your body fat percentage, your fran time, your one rep max deadlift, et cetera, the more we push things towards fitness, the, the, the better our lives are going to be, essentially. But also the more we're safeguarding ourselves against sickness, things like the coronavirus. And obviously the coronavirus now is, is the, is the thing that everybody's scared to death of before that, you know, that where, where that, where that typically came in was, you know, coach Glassman, you know, has a lot of very eloquently stated things that he's, that he's, put out to the community over the years. And one of them is that, you know, CrossFit is in unique possession of an elegant solution to the world's most vexing problem. So elegant that it may be optimal. And what he's referring to is the tsunami of chronic disease. And, and more specifically, you know, 80% of healthcare costs are associated with chronic disease. 70% of deaths are associated with chronic disease. If you haven't looked at his uh, lecture on the five buckets of death, just Google five buckets of death and go watch that. And essentially what you, the other way you could, you could phrase chronic disease is life decisions, you know, and the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum is basically a pitch to say, try to make yourself as healthy and as fit as possible so that you have a buffer against disease, against catastrophic injury or accident. And you'll have the best opportunity to survive regardless of what it is. And, and currently we're all, you know, in this midst of the coronavirus, which is what people are freaked out about. And the reality is, you know, if you, the best thing that you could do that anybody could do is be, there's two things. 
young for this one specifically. So we can't go back in time and, and make you any younger. But this, the other thing that I do have control over is my overall health. Am I healthy? Based on objective metrics, not, not does my doctor say that I'm not sick because they're different, right? Am I healthy? Do I have good fitness markers? Do I have good biometrics? And if that's the case, the reality is statistically, you are not going to get sick from coronavirus. Like it's just not happening. That may change, but currently it's just not happening. Meaning like you are not in any real threat. Like you might get, you might get a little bit sick, but you're going to get over it based on what we've yeah. seen right now. And, you know, and again, let's leave all of our beliefs about the coronavirus aside and just call it a sickness, right? The, the whole goal of this continuum is to understand, hey, the more we push these markers towards fitness, the term we use is it's a hedge against sickness. So when you do get hit by something, be it, you know, COVID-19 or the seasonal flu or chicken pox, you know, it doesn't really matter. The, the I thought point we weren't is, talking about coronavirus anymore. I'm just saying it doesn't matter what the sickness is because every, okay, every sickness yeah. is a little different. I mean, there's the one, sure. which one, which one was it where it was like actually attacking healthy 18 to 23 year olds. H1N1, 80% of the deaths for H1N1, I believe were under the age of 65. Right. And then, but I'm talking, this is an old one from like the fifties or sixties. I forget what it was like the Spanish flu. Spanish point, flu. Yeah. Yeah. Point is there's always outliers and we don't know everything there is to know about the, the current coronavirus. So we don't know. But the point is, there, there is no argument that the fitter you are, the better you are protected against anything. Yeah, and I think that's, and that's what we should be preaching, meaning is that we should be looking at what can we be doing in our daily lives that would mitigate all of these things. Where like, if this comes up, it's not really something that I should be worried about. Like, I have enough, you know, health slash fitness in the bank that I might, I might have to cash in some of those chips, but I'm not going to take it to zero. You know, and again, there's some things you can control and some things you can't. We can't control our age. You know, we're, we're as old as we're going to be, but I can control everything else and at least give myself the best opportunity to survive, whether it be a crash or some weird illness or anything or bouts of high stress, right? Like let's think a little bit more uh, practical, like, everyday stuff that people deal with outside of, you know, extenuating circumstances, you know, if you are really fit and when we say really fit, we're not, I think we should be clear. We're not talking about games fit. I'm talking about like you're an average CrossFitter. Like you're really fit. If you're an average CrossFitter, I think, I think that is worth stating. You have far more fit. Pat Sherwood says this all the time. It's like, you have far more fitness than you're ever going to need. If, yeah, you're, I, if you're an average CrossFitter, you have, you have excess. Yeah. Like if you can pick up 315 off the ground, you're okay. You're set for life. You don't need to be able to pull 400 or 500 pounds. And, you know, the example that we use all the time at level ones is, you know, the Matt Frazier's, the Tia's, any of the games athletes, their, their fitness is so far off the charts on this continuum that they can literally take six months, nine months, potentially even a year off and just be lazy turds. And they would still be fitter than most of us. They would still be able to beat us in workouts. They would certainly still be healthy. So let's, let, let's dive a little deeper into this continuum. One of the things that we really talk about is in the beginning, it's like the average person in the country, where do you think they fall in this continuum? And, and for reference, Google sickness, wellness, fitness continuum. If you're not sure what it looks like, if you haven't been 
at at a, at a level one. But where do you think the average person falls, Vern? Are we so we're just talking about like general society? Just that, general society. Correct? You know the curve. You know, yeah. Where would you put them? I, I would. My estimation, and I think this is worth noting, uh, we get a little skewed on what we think like the rest of the world looks like because we spend most of our time in a crossfit gym that is not what the rest of the world looks like so True go to, go to a go to a go to a theme park or go to a grocery store or something like that and you're probably going to get a little bit better idea of at, like generally what people look like if you're you know so the short answer is just to the left of well right so just to the left of well and that's based off of a lot of the the metrics, if you're looking at uh, the National Institute for Health, or if you're looking at metrics from CDC about, uh, I mean, if you were just to take obesity rates, right? So obesity would fall in sick, right? So we have to assume that obesity rates are rapidly looking like one third of the overall population falls in the sick bucket. This is before we even get into well, right? So if you just base off that, so we have one third automatically falls in that just based on obesity, like you're sick at that point. So that means let's, if we just split it evenly, let's say we had one third at sick, one third at well, and one third at fit, we could all agree that there's not one third at fit. Definitely not. I mean, and I would even go one step further and say, you said just to the left of wellness, I would say it's probably somewhere right in the middle between sickness and wellness. Yeah, I think we both agree that like where it sits between sickness and wellness, like it probably depends. But like, I, I think we both agree that it is definitely between those two. It's not to the right. So with that being said, what is our job? What is our responsibility right now to get people to fitness? How do we do it? How do we educate them? And, and, and what are the, the steps that box owners and coaches should be doing? And then obviously it's what we do every day. But what else can we be doing? I think the first thing is just educate people. You know, th this, so this question comes up pretty regularly in, typically you don't get a lot of questions in the what is fitness lecture. It's just a dense lecture. People are overwhelmed with information. But the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum does in a, in a lot of people's lectures make a, a reappearance in the nutrition lecture because we kind of use nutrition as, as kind of a visual about how we can take people from sickness to wellness via food you know and the first thing that we do to combat chronic disease is just eat whole foods you know that's crossfit's prescription just eat regular whole foods um so i think the first thing you do is you just educate people because the question always comes up like how do i how do i get people to do this um and to some extent i don't i don't think you do get people to do it i think people do it when they're ready when they have enough information to make the decision about realizing where they sit on that continuum and then realizing that there is a simple, not easy path with which to get there. Um, and I think that's the first thing you do is you, you have to educate people on what it looks like, what's good, what's bad. Um, because I mean, I think we forget what people don't know. Like as trainers, as CrossFitters, somebody who's fully immersed in the, in the idea of being fit and well and what health should actually look like, we, and I'll give, you a, I'll give you an example that I just recently had. I was giving a nutrition lecture recently, and there was a gentleman there, super nice guy, and had a very extended conversation with him uh, during lunch and after the seminar. And we were talking about 
removing things, right? So in that lecture, we talk about, uh, you know, the, the paleo diet and what we're recommending is, is not necessarily paleo because we're not necessarily recommending wholesale exclusion of certain foods, you know, like legumes, dairy, stuff like that. Um, it's not, we don't have any beef with paleo. Like you, you should do it. Like it, it's good. There's a ton of benefit from it. Um, and he came up to me afterwards and he was asking me about breakfast and he's like, Hey, listen, he's like, so I get it. So I should start eating, you know, better foods. And he's so, so for breakfast, you know, you said that you eat, you know, eggs and toast and fruit uh, and bacon. And he goes, well, sh like, so should I just not eat the toast? And I said, don't eat the toast. And he was like, wait, so you would really not eat the toast? And I said, I would not eat the toast. And he said, that has never even crossed my mind. And he, and, <laughs> and, and listen, we can all have a little laugh about this, but he was not kidding. Like he was genuinely, if I could, if you were to see the interaction, he had, that thought had literally not actually ever crossed his mind that he would not eat toast with breakfast. Like it was not a thing. The following weekend, I made a statement about Diet Coke not being actually diet. And a, and a girl sitting directly in front of me, she was like, really? So my point for these stories is like, we, we have to remember that people don't know what they don't know. Right? You know so that's and, the first thing is we have to educate them. Well, and all you have to do for those maybe that don't go around lecturing people like we do is any given Saturday or Sunday at a hotel, you'll see the continental breakfast with waffles and breakfast cereals and yogurts. And people are sitting there eating those things, thinking they're making the right decisions. They're thinking this is healthy. This is what I should be eating. And somewhere along the way, they learned that. And that was drilled into their brain. And we forget that that's what most people think. To the average person, telling them to eat bacon and eggs is still very contrarian to what they think is the right thing to do. They'll still say, cholesterol and fat and all of these things but we it's our responsibility to educate them and it's and it's it's really hard it's really hard. i don't know how else to say it like i we, i just call spade a spade it's like really hard because we have to break beliefs that people have that have had for decades in some instances like this the guy the gentleman that i was talking to he, he was late 40s early 50s and been doing this his whole life and literally his mind exploded when I told him just don't eat the toast, you know? Um, you know, so I, I think it's just, that's the first thing we have to understand. And what we're really talking about is like having some empathy, right? Because like in that instance where the girl like had kind of, uh, she kind of had that question. I kind of, uh, I, I kind of laughed at her response, like, uh, and not like laughing at her, until I realized that she was actually being serious. So my reaction was too quick. She was like, if there, it's not diet. And like everybody laughed and like, I, and, and I don't think she took it that I was laughing at her because I definitely was not, I was laughing because, but then I realized like she was not joking at all. Like she legitimately thought that Diet Coke was diet, right? So I think having some empathy and like trying to, to, to understand that like we have to meet people where they're at and kind of slowly kind of push them along and then until they decide to commit. I mean, everybody already knows the story. Like you're not going to force anybody to make these decisions. Like it's just not going to happen. Well, what has been some of the most common 
misconceptions about nutrition that you've dealt with over the over the years? If I just reduce my calories, I'll lose weight. Fat's gonna right. make me fat. Um, carbs are bad. Carbs are bad. Right. Uh, that's and, another one. And, and and again, we're telling you not to. Eat. We're you know, and, and I think there is a little bit of a misrepresentation there with Coach Glassman's off the couch, off the carbs that people are like, I shouldn't eat broccoli. I shouldn't eat fruit. Like, no, dude, no. that's not the problem. No. It's, you know, and, and, and I've, we've spoken to coach Glassman about it. I've heard him speak about it as well, where it's like, no, we're not saying that we're saying, Hey, the old cliche breakfast of a bowl of Cheerios with a banana and a glass of orange juice is not healthy. But no, if you want my, to have a my banana, in-laws are at our house right now. My in-laws are at our house right now. And I would tell you, my father-in-law doesn't fall in the healthy bucket and he's in there smashing cereal every morning for breakfast. Now, now I'm not changing his mind. Do you try? Yeah. That man, that's like, that's not happening. It's just not going to happen. And it's sad. Why won't it? What, why? No, this is a great example. Let's hang here for a second. Why will that not happen? Because we're telling people, Hey, we need to be able to go out there and educate people, but our leader Fern isn't doing it. And I'm not trying to come at you about it. I understand mm -hmm. talking to your family is not easy, but what are some of the reasons it's not happening? And what are some things you think if it wasn't your father-in-law, so there wasn't this, you know, relationship there that you might do differently? Well, A, don't, we don't spend enough time around them to try to make any significant behavioral changes. While they're not staying I'm not going to Correct. Yeah, yeah. And even when they are staying with us, they're still going to eat what he's going to eat. What you have to understand about, you know, money, fitness, and nutrition, they're all behavior-based. Right. They're all the same, right? I have to break people's behaviors. And we all know that breaking behaviors is not easy. So before you talk about creating a new behavior, generally we have to talk about is breaking a bad behavior first, or at least like quasi replacing it. So that's the first, and that's where the education comes in because you, we all know like you, you, they, you want to tee up a scenario where they come to the conclusion on their own, right? We're like, they're like, hey, I just read an article the other day that uh, I shouldn't eat so much bread. And I'm like, I agree with that article, even though I've been telling <laughs> you that for 10 years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think when people are ready to make that decision, they're ready to make that decision. And now we can kind of move them along the process a little bit faster by giving them resources. Um, but, you know, people and a lot of people just don't want to change because they like what they do. They like what they like because it makes them feel comfortable. You know, and, you know, my father-in-law's not young. He's early 60s. So that's to some extent, you know, it's unfortunate. There's like some people either are not going to change their mind or they're only going to change their mind in the presence of some sort of catastrophic event where they come to the realization that if I don't change, something bad is going to happen. So, so bringing it back to the lecture, we have sickness, wellness, fitness, and let's Let's, let's maybe throw some, some metrics out there, some data points. What, what are some data points that we would classify as sick? So typically in the lecture, we would use blood pressure, resting heart rate, and body fat percentage. And then you so, can throw anything else you want there. The point is you can you, you use as many as you can possibly get. So throw hemoglobin A1C in there, throw fasting insulin, fasting glucose, throw uh, cholesterol. Uh, what is your, there's some, uh, what's the, um, what's the inflammation test? I'm, I'm, blanking on that one ck yeah, yeah so 
whatever, like put it in there. If you can measure it, that's the point. If you can measure it, put it in there. Yeah. And, and then coach Glassman has said, you can then even throw things in like, Hey, that's all what's happening outside of the gym. But we can talk about what's happening inside. If you can't deadlift your body weight, that's a problem. You're sick. You're, yeah, sick. you're sick. You know, if you can deadlift your body weight, sure. We can call it well. And yes, we have a very skewed definition of wellness as CrossFitters, but the average person, you know, mom, dad, if they can pick up their body weight off the ground in a deadlift, they're good enough. And that's what I would consider wellness, but double, triple body weights. Now we're pushing it. And what coach Glassman has said, especially in this, what is fitness lecture, where we talk about four models before getting to the definition of fitness is, you know, this is the first of, of the models that actually takes your lifestyle factors into account. So it's not just mm -hmm. what you're doing in the gym, but it's what you're doing outside of the gym. Are you getting a good enough sleep? Are you staying low stress? You know, what's your pharmaceutical regimen like? Because we joke about it where, hey, you can, there's a lot of shortcuts to bump that, that curve for yourself. We can, we can all go on a nice cycle of uh, HGH and DECA and all these other fun things and see our numbers push towards fitness. But long-term, is that bringing us back towards sickness down the road? So what you're doing outside the gym is just as important as what's going on inside the walls. And just to be super practical, most CrossFitters are training for, to do things outside the gym anyway. You know, so like, the, you know, at some point I don't really care what your friend time is or what your deadlift is. I'm far more concerned, like, just what is your ability to interact, you know, and, and this become, I, there's probably a lot of people that have had this scenario and this, and this can become supremely annoying. So let's say you go on vacation with your family and, and you're doing something. And I'm sure most people have experienced something like this. And, and the group wants to go do something. But there's somebody in the family that can't do it. They physically can't do it. And make up whatever task you want. But it's not an incredibly physically taxing task. It's a walk up a hill. Or we're going to you know, go through this park just walking. But it's three miles a loop and somebody can't cover the three miles these are things we're talking about right like this is things where like this person who by any metric going to the doctor is is probably going to get a clean bill of health to some extent meaning they're not sick like they're not in peril but we would all agree that they're sick if you physically can't walk around a theme park without taking a break or getting a scooter you're sick and, and I don't know how else to say that. Like, you're just like, if you can't do these daily functions or interact, you know, my mom recently told me, um, and this is one that I struggle with because both my parents, like, just kind of, I don't want to say they don't want to listen, but we, we've had some heated kind of discussions about it. She won't buy certain, like, uh, the packets of water because they're too heavy for her to pick up, like a 12 pack of water. So that's what I'm talking about. And my, and my parents think they're healthy because they're not sick. Right. So this goes into, you know, when we're talking about the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum, where people are confusing being healthy with not being sick, you know, because the typical definition of health is the absence of disease. And we all know that if you've sat in a level one, what we're more referring to is, well, that, that definitely does not address quality of life, right? Like you could be in a coma and have good metrics, like you're alive. You could have good resting heart rate. You could have low body fat percentage. You, all of your lipids could be where they need to. But we would not, nobody would say that that person is even well. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the classic example Coach Glassman uses. Hey, you can be in a coma, completely absence of disease, but you're not fit. And I think that's a great point. People definitely misunderstand and misconstrue this idea of not being sick as being healthy. But I think all of us, you know, you mentioned your parents. My mom, when I was living in Florida, would be like, hey, can you come over? We got to switch the water jug. I'm like, it's five pounds. Like, it's literally, you know, five pounds, maybe a little more, 20 pounds even. It's like, that's a problem. At 60 years old, if you can't pick that up and put that, you know, in, in, in the reservoir, you, you got an issue there because I know it's a matter of time before, hey, can you help me get out of this chair? Yeah, I mean, this, a sim- I had a similar thing with my dad. I mean, the, the, the series is a little bit different, but they were, he needed to change the water pump in the pool. He's like, hey, I need you to go get that. I was like, why? He said, I can't get it. So why not? He's like, it's too heavy. I said, it weighs 50 pounds. Like, you, you can't pick that up? And my dad has arthritis in his hands, stuff like that. And he rides his bike. Don't get me wrong. You know? And he's had a couple serious crashes on his bike, too. But, you know, he wants to tell me that, you know, he's not doing CrossFit because it's dangerous. I'm like, you just told me about flipping over the front handlebars of your bike. yet, Or somebody hit, almost hit you with their car. So... You know, but these are the, these are all the things that we have to really try to start to expose people to is that there's this idea of health, which is inaccurate, which is just simply being able to exist in the world without necessarily interacting with the world is somehow been defined as health and it is not. What are some goals that you have as you age to be able to maintain or to be able to accomplish to kind of measure your, your your fitness. I mean, obviously you've oh. got the standard CrossFit stuff, but what are some things that you're like, Hey, you and Jess have discussed as, as adults, we want to be able to do X. So I don't necessarily have those because I've used CrossFit. So for instance, like I do have, I, I picked CrossFit kind of metrics or things that we would see in a CrossFit gym. Some of these are not necessarily CrossFit, but it's things that we would see in a CrossFit gym because I know if I can do those, I can do literally just about anything when I leave the walls of the gym. So I want to be able to do something under a four minute friend when I'm 55, right? Anything under 359, I'm good. I want to be able to do a muscle up, bar, ring, just one. I want to be able to clean and jerk 225. I don't want to be able to snatch think, my body weight and, and run under a seven-minute mile. Do you think you'll get that first muscle-up soon? I'm still working on it. <laughs> I've, been working on, I've been working on the progression. I need a spot. Um, but so, I, if I can do those, if, if – and, and again, like context matters, right? Like the – a 55-year-old – if you are a 55-year-old that can do those things, you are by most definitions a superhero. Like you are absolutely the oddball of all of your friends because the, the reality is like most of them are not crossfitting. Yeah. I mean, we, we forget because a, we're surrounded by crossfitters and B when we see 55 year olds, they tend to be crossfitters, but we forget what the average 55, 60, 65 year old looks like. And you know, the, these days I'm outside a lot more going for walks or whatnot, just, you know, to get some yeah. fresh air amidst everything. And you see those people you see them more and you're like, oh, that's great. You're walking, but they still look like they're going to break. They still don't look very fit. You know, most 60-year-olds don't have a whole lot of muscle on them because they grew up in that generation where lifting weights wasn't the norm. I think we're going to see that shift over the next generations and 
and in time it'll be the standard but yeah we, we we forget that i think that's really hopefully what we're opening people's eyes to on this particular episode is that we forget there is a world outside of fitness and that world doesn't look so great to be honest with you no and I remember this discussion years ago with Austin. We were just simply talking about CrossFit and, and the growth of it. And I was like, man, because I, I, I said something like, you know, I always see Rogue Fitness ads, like Rogue's huge, like CrossFit's just huge in this world. And he, he made a good point at the time. And he's like, you see that because that's what you search and that's what your friends are searching. So, you know, whatever the algorithms are, it's popping up. And, and you know, you see that on your you know Instagram feed these days with sponsored posts. But that's not the norm. It's such a small yeah. percentage these days that we, we forget the world, like the people that are hoarding toilet paper. And if you're one of those people, I want you to immediately stop listening to our podcast. No, you lost the privilege of listening to best hour of their day. Order that bidet. I ordered that by the way. Did you get it? I did. <laughs> you're going to love it. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. I want to film the first time you use it. We're going to put it live on the show. I'm going to, what I'll do is I'll FaceTime you when I do it. All right. I want to see it. Um, we this had Sean. Me pressing the button. Sean Eberly on uh, the other day, you know, the fun, you know, the guy, the guy that we met at News River. I don't know how to describe him. Like he's a little person. Yeah, he's short stature. Yep. Short stature. But uh, he, we, we were talking about on the show about he, how he's going to get one. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the best hour of their day sponsored by the Tushy. I mean, Tushy. Come on. Tushy, here we go. So we need Tushy just, and, and the Squatty Potty. Both we need sponsors uh, for both of those. Yeah, I've got both. I mean, if you want a full bathroom setup, that's what you need. But it, it, it's true. It's just we, we, we lose sight of that. So let, let's bring it back. What else do we want to touch upon on the continuum? So obviously it's like those health markers and this comes into different things. And, and I, so I think having this conversation about what actual health and fitness looks like, if you're going to have it successfully, what you should be doing is using as many objective metrics as possible. Cause we all know that just the idea of health and nutrition is very opinionated. It's a lot of things that can make the conversation very hard. So if you can use things like biometrics, uh, like using something like inside tracker, uh, which we're going to do a podcast on to get some uh, blood panel. If you can use the something like antibody, who we've had them on the show as well to get body metrics for that. And then if you can use their log book for both workouts and nutrition, it's much easier to have the conversation because that for, for the most part is absent of, I think you should do this or I feel this way about whatever. Everything in there is now very, very quantitative meaning I'm either going to move these metrics in the right direction or I'm not based on what I'm doing. So that's what I think is super important is, you know, when we're thinking about the idea of health, the idea of health should be, you know, what it is for the definition that we present in CrossFit, which is work capacity across broad time, modal and age domains, or otherwise stated your fitness across the years of your life. That's not a subjective statement. That, that is, we're talking about like actual numbers, you know, what is your ability to do infinite number of tasks across infinite time domains combined with your age? That is the state of health because, you know, realistically, if you got a, if your cholesterol is a little high and that's the only metric that you have, that's a little bit high, but you have low body fat percentage, you have really good lean body mass and you have good 
fitness numbers, meaning I don't mean like CrossFit games good. I mean like you can run a mile in seven and a half minutes. You can deadlift a one and a half times your body weight. You can do pull-ups and, and push-ups without going to your knees and doing stuff like that. I don't think you're going to die from high cholesterol. Like I just have a hard time believing that. That's the only metric that's off and everything else fall, falls in line. You know, it's a different discussion about cholesterol in general, but you guys see where I'm going with that. And that's what we're trying to do is that I'm trying to move as many of those metrics that direction as possible because now – you know, if we're talking about older population uh, who are largely at risk for either some sort of injury or sickness, because that's a lot of what we're seeing right now with COVID-19, I'm it's at bare minimum better prepared to deal with that. My immune system is going to be healthier. You know, my bone density is going to be higher so that if I do take a fall, I'm less likely to break a bone, which again, there is, you know, that's a, that turns into this cascade of negative effects if, if I'm to the left of wellness. Um, and, and probably no shortage of people that have seen that scenario unfold. Um, and that's what we're trying to do is it's that, it's that hedge. It's a state of super wellness. It's that hedge so that when I am presented with some crazy illness or again, a catastrophic injury, I'm a bare minimum prepared to deal with it physically. I, I think that's really the, the summation of it all. We need to strive to move our markers towards fitness but we need to be taking into account. And I think if you're listening to the show, chances are you do, but it's important that we're also addressing this at the box. We, we promote, we preach, we're all about best hour of their day, but we need to be concerned with what's going on the other 23 hours of the day. What's going on in their lives? What are we doing to educate them first and foremost about nutrition, but then also about, Hey, are you getting enough sleep? Are you, are you managing your stress? Especially right now, you know, I posted on, Facebook, like this is your chance right now, box owners, you should be reaching out to every one of your athletes. You know, if you're shutting your doors down and hoping or expecting your members to pay, you should be reaching out to them. And I know for many of them, they're like, oh, well, I'm not at the box. I'm not working out, but this is your opportunity to show them. I still care about you. And there are other things we can be doing to show you that, you know, let's talk about your stress management. Let's talk about other things. So hopefully you know, they feel like you've been taking care of them. They keep coming in. And once all this passes, they're ready to you know, hit the ground running again. Yeah. And it, and that can be, that can be kind of the indirect contact or the direct contact. And Jay's talking about, you should reach out to them. You should do that. You know, depending on what you get going on, that's a, that's a lot of contact points. You know, the other thing you should be doing anyway is feeding them a steady drip of information, you know, send them the what is fitness article and break out the portion of the sickness wellness fitness continuum and send them an article write an article about it make instagram facebook story and feed posts about all of these things and educate them on how to go about doing that because now i'm not telling them to do it or there's not this feeling of guilt or judgment coming with it because i'm just presenting information and that's really the goal right, is present them with information uh, and, and largely to remove, remove ignorance from the equation. Like that's really the underlying goal is like, I, I don't want this, anybody to be able to claim ignorance anymore. Like, you know, I've told you in many, many ways, and this is a personal choice at this point, you know, because you just choose not to do that. Um, and then that's a different discussion. But like, I, the first thing you have to do is like present the information so we can have an objective conversation about it. And, you know, and figure out, what, you know, one of the things you talk about with regard to psychological aspect to, to, with regard to this stuff is you have to attach it to people's why, 
you know, for the older population, they want to be around to see their kids and their grandkids, you know, so maybe that's enough for them to make some of these changes. Or if they do have a fall and it, and it gets a little, a little hairy with regard to their health and their ability to bounce back from that, like maybe that's the time to, to slowly start having that discussion about like, we'd like you to have you around mom. Like the kids are young. We'd like to see, we'd like you to see them graduate from high school. You know, that's, that's a, it's a pretty compelling argument, you know? What are, what are some things you do at the box level, you know, to wrap this up, what are some things you do that other box owners or even just coaches can do, or maybe just someone that loves their parent? What, what, what are some things we can do right now? I think the first thing you have to do is lead by example. You know, I, I think you have to, you know, work out, you have to move well, you have to not eat like a turd. You know, you have to, and I don't think you need to rub it in people's faces, but I think the general consensus is should be when people are evaluating you that this person walks the walk. They don't just talk the talk, you know. And then second thing is, you know, be that expert, be the source of information. And it doesn't mean that you have to organically create all of this content. Like there's enough out there, you know, go back and listen to the, to the podcast with Tyson Oldroyd about using the resources from crossfit.com in the journal and just steady drip that on your member base. I mean, there's thousands of articles in there and thousands of videos that you can utilize to educate your member base. And there's no reason not to like, that is actually why they created it. That is a, that is a resource for the affiliates to start having this conversation, you know? So that's what I would do. And then, and then God, we're, well, I'm just saying, this isn't like, hey, we need to recreate the wheel here. This is simply, we need to just no. put it out there. We need to educate. And, and I, I think the key is consistency, meaning like you need to put it out consistently. It, it should be a regular thing. So, uh, so I'll give you something that I do. So I send out, um, I send out an email. I just make it in uh, MailChimp and it's got a couple different bullets in it, right? It's got, it's got an article that I write that's either about mindset or training. It's got a nutrition article that, uh, that Jess writes. It's got a movement tip video in it. It's got any apparel sales that we have going on. It's got general information about the gym. So it's, it's not necessarily a weekly newsletter. It's just information. And all of it goes back. It's got, oh, it's got the, the weekly podcast that we do for the gym in there that links out. So it's got like four to five things in there that just rotate through every week. So I'm just steadily dripping that on people, you know, so that's 52 times whatever, four or five, right? So I'm looking at 200 unique pieces of content a year to, to get people to have that conversation. And, you know, if you're looking, because I forget who I was talking to recently is, is that, for people to make a decision on something, I think that I think the number of touch points is 17. So they're already in your gym, which means that they probably had 17 touch points to get to your gym. Well, then there's follow on actions after that. So I need an additional 17 touch points to get them to make action on something else, whether it be personal training or nutrition or something like that. And then I have to look at, okay, how much of that am I putting out on social media? How many emails am I sending out about it? What's the open rate of those emails? Because if it's 13 to 18%, like that's really good. So what's that? If you send out 52 emails, right? You know, you're talking about, let's say it's 13. You're talking about like people are, they're going to read six of them. Open. Well, and I think, 
one, one thing to keep in mind is you're listening to this or maybe you've left your level one or level two and you're like, I want to teach and I want to educate them. Too much is not a good thing either. So I think you're, you're, you're putting it out there. You're, you're trickling it out at the right pace. If you, if you try to give everybody too much, like we've talked about it, like drinking out of the fire hose, you're going to get them pretty wet, but you're not going to get them hydrated. And the goal is to get them hydrated. Did you make up that? Did you make that up yourself? Yeah, I, I use that a lot. I made it. I did make it up. I think I, I don't remember if I made it up or stole it. To be honest, but either way, I uh, you definitely stole that. The uh, no, but no, yeah, but there's also the. Um, so depending on the medium, there's no such thing, right? Depending on how you communicate, there's no such thing. And because if I'm hitting, if I'm hitting on multiple sources in order to get people to to understand this concept, you know. You have to understand there's certain people that look at Facebook and certain people that don't and certain people that look at Instagram and certain people that don't and certain people that open emails and certain people that don't. Um, so you have to, to some degree, flood them all because the reality is you're only going to hit about 10% of those. And that's where people get a little uh, worried. They're like, it's too much. And, and that's just statistically, it's not a thing. Like you're not going to do too much. Not everybody doesn't do 100% of everything. So you have to put it everywhere just because I'm realistically only if I'm doing it 52 times a year, you, you know, the number is like six, like six people are going to listen to it based on that number. You know, they're going to, they're going to open it six times. So um, now the number will go higher as they find out that the, the information is more valuable and it's more relevant to them. And that that's a skill in and of itself. But the, the point that we're making is like, you have to put it out there. You know, you and I were joking before you'd be like, I'm going to put it out to the world. I'm like, that, that's what we have to do. You have to put it out there. It, again, I don't, I don't know that there's too much of things that are valuable. Well, right? and it just should be a part of the culture. And that means, yes, everything you're expressing is great. Email, uh, you know, m newsletters, all those things. But it should also just be a constant conversation at the box. It, it should be during your whiteboard brief, during your general warmups, during your cool downs, all of these touch points on health just Hey, did you sleep last night? How's your stress? Especially right now, you know, when, when we do all come back to the box, how is everyone's stress? How did you handle it? You know, talk to them about it. Are there, are there best practices they can use? Do you have someone that teaches meditation or yoga? Do you have, you know, anything that can help? The healthier we keep our members, the more we push them towards fitness, the better our box will run, the more successful we will be, and the more they will stay. That's it. That's really, yeah, that's the goal. I mean, you, you just think of it this way. You, you kind of want to, you want to put this kind of invisible bulletproof vest on people so that when things happen, they have some degree of armor to deal with it. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that's a great starting place for the continuum. If you have questions on it, I want you to comment on this post. We put them up on social media before the episode launches. So, when you, when you see this episode or if you see us on Instagram, ask us any questions about the continuum. Hopefully we can help you with it. We can dive further into the other models of the what is fitness lecture in the future. But for right now, we just thought, you know, amidst everything that's going on, what an opportune time to talk about this. Push your markers, push everything you can towards fitness now so you have a hedge against sickness because it's going to come and that's going to be, like we said, it could be sickness, it could be an accident, it can just be life gets in the way. You got two screaming kids running around your house and you have to stay away from the gym for a week. Sickness, wellness, fitness, the continuum. We hope that helped. 
check it out. We hope everyone's enjoying their self-isolation, their social distancing, and their quarantine. Catch up on all our past episodes. We've got some great ones coming for you in the near future. Thanks a lot for Fern, for Ackerman. We're out of here. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And thanks again to our special guest. We appreciate all you guys do for us with Best Hour of Their Day when it comes to sharing our posts on Instagram, when it comes to subscribing to us on YouTube, when it comes to the constant feedback. We are grateful and we appreciate it. We are trying to build a community based on coaching development and becoming the best version of yourself. And it goes without saying that we couldn't do without all of you. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Season one of Dropping In is out. We are getting tremendous feedback and we'd love for you to check it out. Leave us a comment on there. Head over to our Instagram, give us a follow, like our pictures, feel free to share anything that resonates with you. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback for us, Please don't hesitate. Email us best hour of their day at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until the next episode, we hope you've had the best hour of your day.